0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. I'm gonna begin in 2 Kings chapter 4, if you have your Bible. There are certain things, as we're calling them, characteristics, that define somebody who is a conqueror. And if you know that that's what God has called you to be, then these obviously should be a part of your life. Maybe you're not in that position where you're seeing victories all the time yet, but let me say, these things that I'm showing you today are characteristics that will take you into victory. And then if you're seeing victories already, it's because these things are active in your life. There's no way for these things to be active in your life and you not see victories. There's no way. I believe the word of God over every other thing. In fact, put that in the comments first thing today. The word of God above all else. The word of God above all else. Hallelujah. The word of God above all else. It is the preeminent, premier thing. So, in 2 Kings chapter 4, obviously there's a story here that you've read many times, but um, I want to read it to you. There's this woman. Yes, she was wealthy, she had money, she had means, she had influence. But the Bible says she could not have a child. And so because she had done something, she'd sowed seed, she'd blessed the prophet of God, she made him an apartment that was connected to their house, she furnished it for him, uh, provided. He said to, the prophet said to his servant, what can we do for her? Well, all the things that I just mentioned, she already had them except one and the servant said well she does not have a child and the prophet began to prophesy by this time next year you will have that baby well that prophecy came to pass and she had that child but as the child grew older and was out in the field with his father something happened to the child he started complaining about his head whether that was heat stroke whatever it was and the child died But this mother who received the miracle, she made up in her mind, this is not going to be the end of this story. This is not going to be the end of this story. So what did she do? She took her child. She went back to the place that she had made for the prophet, walked him into that apartment and laid her child on the prophet's bed. And then she said, I'm going to get the prophet. And bring him back here to raise my boy from the dead. Because this is not the end of the story. And so she was on her way to go see the prophet. And her husband said, what are you doing that for? It's not new moon. It's not Sabbath. You could tell he was a little bit more religious. He said, it's not one of those days that we go, you know, do that. She said, no, I'm going. And so notice this. The Bible says that. She said to her husband when he said that, Listen, all is well. King James, it is well. All is well. Then she kept on going. And the Bible says, The man of God saw her coming, verse 25, said to Gehazi his servant, Look, there's the Shunammite woman. Run at once to meet her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, All is well. All is well. Multiple times, this woman declared, It is well. It is well. All is well. What is the first characteristic of a conqueror? The first characteristic is this they can see the end from the beginning. Put that in your notes, put that in the comments. A conqueror can see the end from the beginning. Was she, saying it, <clears throat> was she saying it is well or all is well because in that very moment everything was fine? No. Her son still was dead on the prophet's bed. In reality, in the natural realm, all was not well. Her child, her prophetic child was dead. But notice this. She was speaking what she could see at the end, not what was happening at the beginning. Hallelujah. She was speaking what she could see at the end and not what was happening at the beginning. It is well, a conqueror can see the end from the beginning. And that's a that's a vision of faith. That's a vision of faith. Right? It doesn't mean uh it's it's not I'm not teaching that, you know, you you're, you're going to see the future, although the Lord may show you things from the future. I'm talking about you see the end from the beginning, meaning that you see your promise coming to pass at the end versus what's going on at the beginning. A conqueror sees the end from the beginning and she could see it. Nope. All is well. Why? Because I can see what's going to happen in the end. My faith sees a different future. Whew, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, write that in your notes, write that in the comments. My faith sees a different future. Thank you, Jesus. My faith sees a different future. Glory to God. My faith sees a different future. So what happened? Of course, as you know, the prophet came back, laid his body across that boy and the boy was raised from the dead. My faith sees a different future. No question about it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My faith sees a different future. And so, those that are conquerors can see the end from the beginning. That is a specific faith characteristic that has to be a part of your life. One of the signs of people that are always going from crisis to crisis, issue to issue, problem to problem, is that they dwell inside of their problem all the time. It's always about the crisis. It's always about the drama. It's always about the issue. It's never about God's word. It's never about what he said. It's never about what they're believing for. They they stay in the present. They live in the present. They feast on the present. And they don't have a vision of the future. That's not us. We see the end from the beginning. My faith sees a different future. Thank you, Jesus. My faith sees a different future. Got to be that way. Has to be that way. Now, this is attached to it. This is close to it. But number two is very vital. How do you get to that place? Number two is a powerful characteristic of of a conqueror. Put this down. A conqueror believes what they say, not what they see. A conqueror believes what they say, not what they see. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I know what you're saying, Tammy. I know what you mean by that. And there's a lot of people that are still there. We're believing that God's going to bring them up to this place. This revelation will open their eyes to see this. We believe what we say, not what we see. We believe what we say, not what we see. Well, not only could this woman see the end from the beginning, she believed what she said, not what she saw. And that's number two. We have to, and what are you saying? Well, of course, when I say that, what I'm talking about is we're speaking the word of God. Hallelujah. We're speaking the word of God. That's a given in this situation. Speaking God's word and I believe what I say, not what I see. We're not saying what we see. We're saying what we believe to be true. The, the uh, apostle Paul wrote it. I, I dealt with this a little bit yesterday in this passage. Second Corinthians chapter four. And verse 13, this is such a powerful verse. The Apostle Paul writes, we have the same spirit of faith as it is written. We believe, therefore we speak. And then he said, we also believe, therefore we also speak. We also believe, therefore we also speak. What are we speaking? The word of God. We believe it, therefore we speak it and we believe what we say, not what we see. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's right. She said, this is what the coffee cup says. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. And then we believe the word we speak. The word of God said it. We speak it. We believe it. That's it. Nothing else. I've got my blinders on. All I can see is God's word. All I can see is his promise. All I can see is it coming to pass. I've pushed everything out of my mind. I've pushed everything out of the way. It's not going to have control of me in Jesus' name. I believe what I say and not what I see. Believe what I say and not what I see. That has to be your story in 2024. If you're coming up to that conqueror level, you've got to be somebody who speaks the word and then I only believe that. I have a single mind. I'm not double-minded. I believe what I say, not what I see. Thank you, Jesus. I believe what I say, not what I see. When you speak it, you are aligning your words with God's word. Hmm. And sight can be an enemy to your faith. Natural sight is an enemy of your faith. You say, why is that? Well, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight, which means those two things are opposed. Natural sight is opposed to supernatural faith. So we walk by faith rather than walking by sight. I mean, there's people watching me right now. There's plenty of times that you have felt to do something, but in the natural, when you looked and analyzed the situations, like, I don't think I should be doing that. I don't think that's the move to make. I don't understand why I would do that in the natural. If you went by sight, it wouldn't make any sense, but you're not walking by sight. You're walking by faith, which means that you see in the invisible realm, what God's word says or what the leading of his spirit says. And then you do that rather than what it looks like you should do in the natural. And that's how most people live their life. To be honest with you, most people look at what's happening in the natural realm and they're moved by their emotions, they're moved by what they see, how they feel. They're not moved by the spirit, they're not moved by the word, they're not moved by anything but that. They'll, they'll be moved by the crowd. I'll tell you something interesting. The same way people buy products on Amazon is the same way that people normally live their life. Now, I'll tell you what I mean by that. The same way people buy products on Amazon is the same way that most people live their life. So what do you mean by that? It's proven that when people go to buy something on Amazon, you could have two, and I do this. I mean, I, I literally do this every time. You could have two products that are exactly the same. Let's say you search for something in Amazon. You've got two products that are exactly the same, but then you look at the star rating on the products. Okay, well that doesn't help you because they're both four star products, four out of five stars. So they got the same rating, same rating, same product, same features. But then you look at one product and it has 32,000 reviews. And then you look at the other product and it has 318 reviews. Now, they're both four-star. They're both the same product, same description, same functions. Everything's the same, except one of those has 32,000-plus reviews, the other one, 318. Literally, almost every single person will choose the product that has 32,000 reviews versus the one that has 318 reviews. Why is that? Because in our natural mind, we believe, well, more people like this than like that, so this must be better. This must be better because far more people have commented and have rated this than that. We don't even know. That might have come out yesterday. We don't know. We don't know when that went on Amazon. All we know is we see the majority of people like and choose this and do this versus that So this must be better. But if you live your life in the same way that you buy Amazon products, you'll always be in trouble. And let me tell you why. The majority of people on earth aren't getting it right. You say, well, this is what the majority of people do. Let me tell you something. The majority of people on earth are not doing what needs to be done. They're not doing what pleases God. So you can follow the majority and do everything that they do, and fall in line with the way they live their life is so, say, well, this is just normal. I don't want normal. I want abnormal. I don't want natural. I want supernatural. The Bible says, and, and yes, that's right. Gabriel's put it in the comments that the way that God wants us to walk, that path is a straight, but it's a narrow path and only a few find it. But broad is the path to destruction. There's a lot of people on that road. So if we're going specifically by life reviews, well, a lot of people do that. Yeah, a lot of people do it, but a lot of people are on the road to destruction. So you can't live your life the same way that you buy Amazon products, because it doesn't work that way. You can't say, well, a lot of people do it this way. Well, that's how everybody does it. Well, that's how everybody chooses. Well, that's how every... No, you can't go by what everybody does. Unless you want to live a subpar natural life going from crisis to crisis, just like the rest of this world, issue to issue, problem to problem. You can't choose it like that. You have to take the way that less people are on. You got to take the way that is straight, yes, but it's narrow and a few people find it. I'll just tell you, we're doing that now as we fast and pray. Not everybody's fasting 21 days and praying. There's a lot of people that are with us right now, but there's a ton of people that are not. And I'm talking Christians. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about Christians because people wonder why are there some Christians that seem like they walk at a high level of blessing and favor and it seems like everything works out and they go from breakthrough to breakthrough. Then why are there other Christians that go from struggle to struggle and issue to issue and problem to problem? Why are they always fighting a battle? Why are they always talking about an attack that came on their life? There's a difference in dedication. Not everybody's seeking God and obeying his word and obeying the leading of his spirit at the same level. And that's what happens. That's what happens. It has nothing to do with the favoritism of God. It has nothing to do with the sovereignty of God. It has everything to do with how we respond to his word and how we respond to the leading of his spirit. I want you to understand that because your dedication level will determine the level to which you have victory in your life. That's why God told his people in Deuteronomy 28.1, if you'll be faithful to obey all the commands I give you today, then I'll set you on high above all the nations of the earth. Right? And then he lists all the blessings for 14 verses. But notice it's conditional. If you obey all the commands that I give you this day, then I will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. I heard Bishop Oyedepo say it this way. The level of commands that you obey determines the level that God can set you to in the kingdom. The level of commands to which you obey determines the level he can set you in the kingdom. <laughs> Obedience is, is the key. It's the key. And so we believe what we say, not what we see. Amen. Everybody Going back to that analogy, everybody's making decisions based on what they see. Everybody. They hear one thing. Oh, I got to change what I'm doing. They hear one rumor about a company. I got to change my investment. They hear one thing about, oh, I, th- I heard so-and-so. I heard there's this sickness is breaking out of school. All my kids are staying home. I, don't know. I mean, literally everything they do in life is based on what they hear and what they see. Very few people make decisions based on what the Word of God says. I don't care what it looks like in the natural knot. There's people like, well, we, brother, we can't afford to tithe right now. I can't afford not to tithe. I've told people many, many times, and I mean this, and God knows I mean it. If it came down to my family being able to have dinner or us paying our tithes, my family would fast and God would get his tithes. But because God knows that's my heart, that'll never be the case. That'll never be the case. I don't go by what I see. I go by what the Bible says. If it came down to it, God first, always it's God first, always it's God first, always. This is a God first kingdom, a kingdom first mentality. It's God first, always. Amen. Amen. Number three, the third characteristic of a conqueror, they make decisions based upon the future, not the present. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They make decisions based upon the future, not on the present. Proverbs chapter 11. I want you to go there with me. Conquerors make decisions based on the future, not on the present. Remember something. Faith defines your future. Faith defines my future. Conquerors make decisions based on the future, not on the present. And I want you to go to Proverbs 11. Listen to what the Bible says. And I'll start with um, verse 23. And we'll read through verse 25. Proverbs 11, 23 through 25. The desire of the righteous... Ends only in good. The expectation of the wicked, though, in wrath. Verse 24, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Verse 25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters others will himself be watered. Hallelujah. So what is the Bible showing us? That people, there's people that hold back, they withhold, they don't do, all the things the Bible says they should, all the things that are set to define their future, and because they're making decisions based on the present versus the future, it destroys them in the end. It destroys them in the end. If everything's for today, if everything's for right now, (laughs) you're missing out on what God wants for your future. Missing out. Go with me to... um, Back a couple of, uh, of Proverbs to uh, Proverbs 6. Look at this. Even animals know to do this. <laughs> Even animals know, where to do, know to do this. Um, Proverbs 6, I'll start with verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief or any officer or any ruler... She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. What are the ants doing? The ants are preparing for winter, though it's not winter yet. Preparing their bread in the summer. Gathering their harvest in the uh, time of the harvest, gathering the food in the time of the harvest. What? Preparing, storing up for what's to come. Even animals know to prepare for the future. Isn't that interesting? Even animals know to prepare for the future. Stockpiling, you know, prepping. That's why the Bible says, and I'm just giving these as, as, you know, material examples, but it goes beyond material. The Bible says a fool spends all that he has. A fool spends all that he has. People that live that way, they're living for the right now. They're living for the moment. That's a foolish thing. Conquerors don't do that. A fool spends all that he has. There's nothing left for the future. There's nothing left for the future. Why? Because they're not thinking about the future. They're thinking about right now. (laughs) Conquerors don't live that way. You know what conquerors are thinking about? How can I set myself up to leave an inheritance to my children's children? Not just my children, my children's children. I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about doing what the Bible says. How can I set everything up with the help of the Lord to leave an inheritance to my children's children? That's what conquerors do. They're planning for the future. They're planning for the future. And that's what I wrote here. If you're taking notes, that's number three. They make decisions based on the future, not on the present. Hallelujah. On the future, not on the present. So there are things the Lord will ask you to do that are for your future. I'll give you an example. And see, being led by the spirit is the right decision. It's preparing you for your future. Or you can go and do the thing you want to do, but it's not going to prep you for the future properly. One of the things, let me give you an example from my own life. I was called to be a preacher when I was five years old in a revival that my father was holding in the Northeast. And uh, I went to the altar that night. You've probably heard the story before. The pastor, who was an older man, knew what God was doing in me, called me up front and told the crowd what God was doing. God's calling this young man into the ministry. And um, I knew I was supposed to be an evangelist from the time I was five years old. Okay, well, I went to Bible school. When I got out of Bible school, it was the year uh, 2003, and I was traveling some, not a lot, some. I was getting started. And I was helping my father, working for my father. And it was February. I had graduated the previous year Uh, May in 2002. Now it was February 2003. And I was in um, Tulsa, Oklahoma for Brother Hagin's winter Bible seminar, staying in a hotel for that camp meeting. And I was fasting and I was praying and I was saying, Lord, what is the next step that you have for my ministry? What do you want me to do next? Well, the Lord began to speak to me. And He said, Your uncle, and of course I knew this, that's starting the church in Virginia, you're to go there and help him launch that church, assist him in whatever way you can, and go there and be on staff until I tell you different. Well, here's a word now. Now, watch this. Here's a word that to my natural mind made no sense whatsoever. None. I knew. I was called to evangelize. Now this is, let me show you how revelation is progressive in your life because you don't know everything right up front unless God shows it to you. So I had no inkling in my mind that there would ever come a day when I would pastor, none of that. I knew I was supposed to evangelize. And so I'm sitting here getting this word from the Holy Ghost and thinking, now Lord, you want me to stop traveling after I knew I was supposed to be an evangelist, stop traveling and to go to Virginia Beach to be on staff as an associate pastor. And I'm thinking to myself in my mind, I've never felt the call to be a pastor. I've never felt the call to be an associate or do anything with a a local church, but the Holy Ghost was speaking. And in my natural mind, it didn't make sense. But in the Spirit, it did make sense. That's why by following the leading of the Spirit, you are preparing for your future. So I did what the Holy Spirit said. I moved from West Virginia to Virginia Beach, Virginia. And in the year 2003, in the month of June, um I moved, and by July, you know, we were I was I was there full time as an associate on staff, youth pastor, music director, did editing, everything I could get my hands on, and it was the Lord that led me to do it. And now you come to the future and you're sitting there in the time thinking like, "Lord, why why would you lead me to do this when I felt to be an evangelist?" And of course, after about Uh, seven years on staff at the church, the Lord then released me in 2010 to then start evangelizing, which we did and we're still doing today. And uh, God fulfilled that part of the vision. But I'm thinking to myself, well, what was that? What was the point of that seven years of, of training and impartation? Well, then look, the Lord gives us another word to move to Florida. And then after that, All these seven years later, the Lord speaks another word to us to launch a church from scratch in West Palm Beach. The same way that my uncle launched a church from scratch in Virginia Beach, the Lord then spoke to us to launch a church from scratch in West Palm Beach. And so all those seven years that the Lord was using to impart to me, to show me, to teach me, to train me things that I did not know, I didn't know experiences about pastoral ministry experiences about dealing with people in church and how to run things and all those different things that i had no idea about my father is an evangelist he's still an evangelist today and so i learned everything about evangelism from my father but because he never pastored a church and the lord had something in my future that was a bit different that he was adding into this evangelistic ministry i had to pick those impartations up for pastoring in a different spot, got it, didn't understand why, move into the future, boom. And if you're led by the Spirit, eventually everything begins to make sense as to why the Lord led you to do something. And so, specifically by being led by the Holy Ghost, you are are making decisions for the future and it all ends up making sense by the time you get to the thing God called you to do. Doesn't make sense when you start it doesn't make sense when you start it, but it makes sense when God does it. And so that's why you trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. You do what he's asking you to do. It sets you up for the future. Hallelujah. That's why I don't go by the present. I go by what the future holds. What does the future hold? Who's the master of the future? The Lord is. He knows the end from the beginning. So why would I then say, no, sorry, God, I'm not going to do that. My ways are higher than your ways. No, my ways aren't higher than God's ways. My thoughts aren't higher than his thoughts. So I'm going to do what he says, not what I want to do, not what's based on the present. Number four, let me give you this. Number four, the fourth characteristic of an overcomer, they're always ready to fight. Put it in the comments. Hallelujah. Overcomers, conquerors, they're always ready to fight. Always. Always. Paul instructed Timothy in 1st Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Faith is a fight. It's not gentle. It's not a drift. It's not a late. No, faith is a fight. Fight the good fight of faith and take hold, lay hold on eternal life. Matthew 11, 12, the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent, take it by force. They take it by force. Why? The devil don't want you having what God said is yours. But when you fight the good fight of faith, you take it by force. It's mine in Jesus' name. I'm taking it. That means that we don't become complacent. Conquerors aren't complacent. Conquerors aren't complacent. Conquerors aren't complacent. Conquerors fight. We're not drifting through life. We're not coasting through life. It's not on cruise control. Conquerors aren't complacent. Conquerors are fighting. Victory after victory is coming to us. Favor after favor. Increase after increase. I'm telling you, it's coming to us in Jesus' name. Because conquerors are always ready to fight fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Never let the fight leave your eyes. Let me say that again. Never let the fight leave your eyes, ever. I used that analogy last night because I told him last night, it always comes back to me with, with Rocky as a fighter. And he lost it, had to regain it. Don't let the fight leave your eyes. Don't let the fight leave your eyes. Watch this. God is looking at people that he blesses to see how they will respond in the blessing. You know, I think God's, people think God is only watching to see how you'll respond if an attack comes. But let me encourage you, God's not just looking to see how you'll respond in the midst of an attack. God is watching to see how you respond in the midst of blessing. Will they get soft? Will they back off? Will they get complacent? Will they go to sleep in the midst of my blessing? Will they get comfortable and lose their dedication and stop pressing in? Or will they go after me harder in the middle of the blessing? See, God wants to know who can he trust with even more blessing? Who can he trust with even more blessing? If he sees a little blessing comes to you, right? You got, you got blessed. You used to be pressing in. You were, you were, de- you were so uh, desperate for a touch from God. You needed a breakthrough. You needed a turnaround. And then God blesses you, brings you out of problems. You're sitting there. You're, you're higher than you've ever been. Get yourself a boat. And now you don't even go to church on Sunday because you're out on your boat on the lake or you're out riding your motorcycle or you're out doing your thing and God's blessed you with some things and so you put the things over God. How could God bless you more? He doesn't want to take you out of his presence. He wants you in in his presence in a deeper way. So why would God continue to pile things on you that are pulling you away from him? He's not going to do it. So he watches to see how people respond to him in the midst of blessing not just in the midst of attacks, in the midst of blessing. And you have to tell the Lord, I don't care how much you give me. I don't care how much, I mean, I don't care what home you put me in. I don't care what car you give me. I'm going to seek after you the same way I did when I was driving a beater, when I was living in a place that looked like it was government-issued housing. I'm going to still press in with the same desperation. I'm going to still fast. I'm going to still pray. I'm going to still give. I'm going to still go after you with everything I've got. Comfort is not going to change my dedication. Comfort is not going to change my diligence. It's not going to change me. I'm going to go after you just as hard. And that is, Gabriel, that is a good way to look at it. A success coma. I was in a success coma, he said. That's a great phrase. A success coma. Put out put to sleep by all of the excess, all of the blessings, all of the good things. And then you lose your drive. You lose your hunger. You lose your drive. You lose your hunger. But did you know that you can step into overwhelming blessing? You can step into increase. You can step into favor and not lose your hunger, not fall into a success coma. You can actually get a greater fire in a greater level of blessing and go harder after God than you did when you were desperate and you had nothing, hallelujah, you absolutely can, and that's what we're doing, because here we are, here we are, God's already blessed us, many of you, I'm watching, God's already blessed you to abundance, God's blessed me, God's blessed my family, but I don't say, well, you know, I'm blessed, I don't need to fast 21 days, I don't need to pray, I don't need to press it, no, 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 I'm blessed, I'm more blessed today than I've ever been in the history of my life, by far, I'm more blessed today than I've ever been. I am more blessed today than I've ever been. And I'm pressing in just as hard. I'm not going to say, well, you know, I don't need to fast. Or maybe I'll fast three days of the 21. No, no, I'm pressing in for the full 21. I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm seeking God's face and I'm blessed. It's not because if I don't get a miracle from God, our family's not going to make it. No, no. We know it's God who sustains our lives. We know it's God that's the source of all of our blessings, but I'm not, you know, if, if, If I don't have a miracle, like for example, if I don't have a financial miracle this week, my my lights aren't getting turned off. My water's not getting turned off. I'm not going to lose the car. I'm not going to lose the house. No, no. But I'm still pressing in because remember, we're not keeping our mind on the present or on needs. We're looking at the future. What's the purpose? What's the calling? Where's God sending us? What are we going to do in the future? That's why we got to keep the fight in our eyes. Conquerors are called to fight the good fight of faith. Don't lose the fight because you stepped into the blessing. Hallelujah. Put that in the comments. Don't lose the fight because you stepped into the blessing. Don't lose the fight because you stepped into the blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God, Scott. Don't lose the fight because you stepped into the blessing. Number five. Conquerors know how to laugh with purpose. Hmm. Conquerors know how to laugh with purpose. Number five, to employ joy. Conquerors know how to employ joy. Say, so what do you mean by that? Joy is the substance, one of the substances that pushes the kingdom of God forward in your life. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not what we eat or what we drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 14, 17. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So understand something. Joy is one of the substances that pushes you forward. Because know this, it is joy that is your strength. The joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8.10, is your strength. So the reason the devil wants to steal your joy is so he can steal your strength. But notice the conquerors know how to employ joy, how to use joy to gain strength and move forward in their purpose. They guard their joy with everything. If I got something in my life that's trying to steal my joy, it's gone quicker than you can snap your fingers. If there's, a, I talked about this yesterday, how there's people that want to be joy suckers, people that want to be peace suckers. And then you look at your phone every time they call or text, you're like, oh, what do they want this time? That's a sign to you. If you dread interactions with somebody that you know, it's a sign to you. <laughs> Why did people take 20 years to figure this out? It's a sign. You either need to have a serious conversation with this person if you don't, if you're not removing them from your life, you need to sit down and have a serious conversation. There's something up every time you call, every time you text you're either complaining about something. You're dragging me down into this drama. I don't have any desire to be in that situation. I like how Tammy said, I hold in my hand today what I laughed through yesterday Yeah, joy brings you into victory. And you need to have a conversation. You got people or situations in your life that are stealing your joy, sucking your joy. It's time to get rid of that or at least have a serious confrontation. It's like, what's going on? That every time we talk, you've got something to complain about. You're talking drama. I don't need that. I'm, I'm pushing for victory. I'm not into complaining. I'm not into gossiping. I'm not into all that. I don't, I don't want that. I need somebody that's going to walk in faith, walk in joy, righteousness, peace, joy, in the Holy ghost. And if that's not something we can do, see, this is all about setting boundaries and it's important to do that. <clears throat> you don't just let anybody in your house. So why would you just let anybody in your joy? You don't just go find some guy that's homeless on the street and say, hey, I've got small children in the house. Come sleep in our house uh, tonight. No, I don't just let anybody in my house. And why would I just let anybody in my joy? Every weight that does so easily beset you, throw aside, set aside, every weight, lay aside. Why would I let things that are a weight to me that I have control over, that I have say over, continue to be in my life? I don't want it. I want no part of it. And so I'm not going to have it. I guard my joy, guard your joy, guard it with everything and then, and then feed it, feed your joy. What makes you joyful? The word of God does Jeremiah 15, 16. The Bible says, Lord, I found your word and I ate it or I devoured it. And it became unto me the joy and rejoicing of my soul. The word of God will bring you joy. Praise brings you into joy. As you praise God, in his presence is fullness of joy. Praise does it. The word does it. (laughs) Answered prayer does it. What did Jesus say in the Gospel of John? Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So there's three things right there in the supernatural realm that bring joy. Reading the word of God, getting it into your spirit, praising God, and then having your prayers answered, brings joy. There's things you can do even in the natural realm to bring joy. What makes you laugh? What makes you smile? Surround yourself with that. Don't surround yourself that, oh, I can't believe I have to do this again. Do you know this is so real that there are people, uh, they've pulled people there are people willing up to take up to a 33% pay cut to leave a job that may be stressful or, or, or whatever to go to a job they enjoy doing, something that makes them happy, something that fulfills them. Notice that, they would take a 33% pay cut salary to take a, joy, a job that gives them joy makes them happy versus being in a job that's stressful that they don't enjoy. That shows you people value joy and peace more than finances. Joy and peace more than finances, yeah. Because money can't make you happy. It'll help with some things only to a certain level. But then after that, you need supernatural joy, you need supernatural peace. That's why multi-multi-millionaires can commit suicide. Because they've got everything and they got no joy. Feed your joy and guard it with everything you've got. Don't let it be stolen because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Number six, mirror your mentor. That's impartation. Conquerors are not too proud to receive instruction and impartation from a spiritual father, a mentor, a spiritual leader, whatever it is. I'm the same. I'm 41 years old this year. That's a young age, but it's not very young. I'm not 20 anymore. I'm not 30 anymore. I'm somewhere right in the middle. But understand something, I am still, though I've been in ministry for 20 years plus, I'm still seeking impartation. I'm still seeking guidance. I'm still seeking wisdom. Amen. I'm still seeking that out. Wise people seek correction. I'll ask people straight up. Do you see anything you, that I, I'm doing that I could be doing better? Do you see anything I could change? Do you see anything that could be you know, sharper? Whatever that might be. I'm still, I'm still going to, uh, men of God's ministries and meetings and having hands laid upon me, being imparted to receiving words of prophecy. This, this ministry has moved forward by words of prophecy, words from my father, words from our pastor, words from Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, words from others. This ministry has moved forward by prophecy, words of prophecy. I'm telling you, this building I'm sitting in right here, we obtained this building and the other, by what? Word of prophecy. This this television studio that now goes all over the world, we obtained it. We knew the exact place by a word of prophecy. What we were called to do, word of prophecy. Things we're doing as we move forward, word of prophecy. And so I'm not neglecting those things. There are men that I need to receive from. There are people that are far ahead of me that I need to receive their wisdom and what they have to say and what they have to prophesy and what they have to impart. Conquerors do not allow pride to cut them off from spiritual guidance. Let me say that again. Conquerors do not allow pride to cut them off from spiritual guidance. I need to mirror my mentor. I need impartation. So few people, let me show you this. Put this to the side. So few people understand this, I wrote a whole book about it called Further Faster. This whole book is about impartation. This whole book, you know why I did this? Not only I felt to, but I understood. So many people of my generation, a little bit older and younger, don't even know what impartation is. They don't even know. If I were to ask them, explain impartation, I don't don't know. That's why I wrote a whole book called Further Faster. I put this subtitle, How to Accelerate Your Purpose Through the Force of Impartation. How to Accelerate Your Purpose Through the Force of Impartation. This is a vital book for our generation because impartation takes you further faster. Don't allow pride, Someone said say it again, don't allow pride to cut you off from spiritual guidance. Don't allow pride to cut you off from spiritual guidance. It's a mistake and it's detrimental to your life, to your ministry, to your business, to your calling. Pride's a killer. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so, impartation's needed. And so I've got to mirror my mentor. That's number six. And I'm going to tell you a, a lesson I learned. Number seven. I'll, I'll give you this. A conqueror has learned how to give until they feel it. In every area of life. And that includes finances. Give until I feel it. A conqueror has learned how to give until they feel it. I look at David. I mean, who could you pick out of the Old Testament that we could consider to be more of a conqueror than David? King David, just his life alone, there's so many lessons you could learn from one life. In fact, we did an entire study on the character of King David. It's in Miracle Word University right now, the life of King David. We actually did it as part of Bible Study Made Simple, and we taught how to properly study a character from the Bible. What's the way that you should properly study a character to get the most out of that biographical study? And it's now inside of Miracle Word University. It's this course, a character study on the life of David. But in 2 Samuel 24, Let me show you this. The Lord gave David an instruction to sacrifice. And so David decided to build an altar. He comes up to a man whose name is Arana on his property. And the the man sees the king coming and says, my king, what are you doing? What are you coming here? What do you need from your servant? And David said, I want to buy your threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people. Verse 22, this is 2 Samuel 24. Now I'm in verse 22. Then Arana said to David, let my Lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering. And here are the threshing sledges and the yokes of oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Arana gives to the king. And he said, may the Lord God accept you. But look at verse 24. This is a key now. But the king said to Arana, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. Now here's the key. For I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. David the conqueror understood. I can never give God something that costs me nothing. Put that in the comments. I cannot give God something that cost me nothing. That's why I tell people, anytime you give something to God, it has to be defined by two different elements. Number one, faith, and number two, honor. Number one, faith, and number two, honor. Everything I give to God has to be given and be wrapped up in faith. You say, why is that? Because the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why would I do something for God that has no faith attached to it? I can't do it. And so anything that I give to God has to have faith attached to it. We just finished our crossover seed. (laughs) I mean, I can't imagine. I'm just giving you an example because everybody's at a different place. But I can't imagine coming to my crossover seed to go over to the new year and walking to the altar with my wife and having this seed in our hand of $100 for the Lord. I can barely get out of Taco Bell for that amount of money, let alone a seed of honor for my new year. I can't imagine bringing God a $100 offering and saying, God, now I'm just believing for breakthroughs and turnarounds. Like That ain't going to bring breakthroughs or turnarounds in my life. There's no there's no restaurant I can go for lunch with my family, with my children, my wife, and leave there for a hundred dollars. Besides, like McDonald's, I'm talking about a sit-down restaurant. There's no place I can go for my family and eat for less. I, I can't. How could that be a seat of honor? Can't I can't do it? I'm not going to bring God something that I wouldn't even give a 15-year-old at their birthday party, and say, my God, I was I was watching a service one time online, and there must have been, you know five, 6,000 people in the building and preacher got up. I'm telling you, it's time to sow a breakthrough seed. It's time for a turnaround seed. I was like, all right, oh, what's, what's he going to say? And he said, I want everybody in this place to get in your hand a $58 seed. All right, I'm scratching my head. I'm like a $58 seed, a $58 seed. I don't know what kind of future that you're believing for, but $58 is going to bring you a breakthrough and a turnaround? Now, there might be somebody that's at that level, but it's very few people. And I understand if you are because everybody's at a different level. I remember the first time I ever did sow a $100 seed. It was it was meaningful to me at the time, but not now. I can't even approach God with a $1,000 seed and say, God, I want a breakthrough and turnaround. It's not going to do it. God's raised us beyond that. We've given that seed too many times. It no longer takes faith and it no longer is honor. And so the more God does for you, the more faith will be built in your heart and the higher the level of honor goes. The higher the level of honor goes. I cannot give God something that costs me nothing. I can't do it. I can't do it. Conquerors learn how to give until they feel it. What does it mean by feeling it? It means that you feel it in your faith And you feel it in your honor. You know what's interesting? I I would love to see your hands. How many could lift a hand in the comments and say, I've given a seed to God before and I felt it in my flesh. (laughs) I want to see your hands. Because I've been there with both hands and both feet. (laughs) I want to see some people. You said, I've given something to God before. He led me to give. And man, my flesh felt it. I felt it. Oh, yeah. A lot of people have been there. I've been there. (laughs) I've been there. You've been there. So you know then what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You've been at a place where you sowed something that you could feel it in your flesh. Your flesh was going, no, 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 no. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But. Your spirit knew, this is what I'm supposed to do for God. This is what I'm supposed to do for the Lord. Oh yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference when people tip God and when people literally activate his presence by faith and honor. Faith and honor. And then I see that in the comments. Someone said, at the time, it hurt. Yeah because understand something there are there are there's always increase in the kingdom so where you used to be and what you used to think was big you'll get to a place very quickly it is no longer big it is no longer big i clearly remember a turning point in my life and ministry we were in buffalo new york my wife and i we're in buffalo new york and i was preparing for the service that night And I had my phone out, and um, I had felt to sow to a few people. Now, I remember back when a $1,000 seed was a big deal for us. Like, a $1,000 seed for us was, like, very big. It was a step of faith. It was huge. I can remember those days. And uh, I remember, and this was years ago now, I'm, I'm sitting there getting ready for the service in the hotel room, and I got my phone out, and then I just start getting led in my spirit to sow to certain people. I started getting these leadings to sow, 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 sow sow to people. So I pulled the first person up, and I felt to sow $2,500 to that ministry. Boom, I sent out $2,500. And then another ministry popped up, another person in my spirit, and I pulled them up on my phone. There they are. Yep, I feel to sow $2,500 to them. Boom, and it went out to them. And I wasn't thinking of it this way. And then another ministry popped up in my spirit that day. And I looked at my phone. I said, let me pull them up. Oh, there they are. I said, boom, $2,500 to them. There was a fourth person that came up my spirit, fourth ministry. Pulled them up. Okay, there they are. Boom. I saw, and and when, I, when I sent that last $2,500, it, it set me back. And I looked at Carolyn. I said, Carolyn, we just released $10,000 that quickly. We just released $10,000 to other ministries that quickly. And something hit me, because I wasn't thinking like, well, I'm going to sow $10,000 to four different people. I didn't think of it that way. I was just doing what the Lord was leading me in the moment. And at the end of it, I sat there and thought to myself, hold on. In just a few seconds, we just released ten thousand. something that before wasn't even possible for us, wasn't even possible. You may not know this, the very first year of our ministry that we went out on the road, Carolyn and I, we brought in $6,800 total for a year, $6,800. total (laughs) for our ministry and our meetings that year. Yeah. And in one moment, I'm sitting there thinking, we just released $10,000 that quickly. This was years ago. And I remember that was a day the Lord broke us through into another level. Broke us through into another level. And then I remember, as I've shared with you many times, that I saw Bishop Oyedepo. And there was a certain level our ministry wasn't breaking past. And my wife and I made up in our mind, we're going to take $10,000 and sow it directly into his hand. So as he was leaving the building, I stopped. I said, Bishop, this is for you. This is for you personally, not even the church, not even the ministry. This is for you. And I put a $10,000 seed in his hand. From that day, everything has taken off for the ministry. Denise said in the comments, once you give that first $1,000 seed, every seat after that is easy. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you, there's a truth to that. There's a truth to that because there's a certain level, what what you'll find out, there's a certain level that you think in your natural mind is a big, big deal. But once you've smashed that level in your spirit and in in your flesh feels it, then you're like, right? It begins, I know what Denise is saying, it just moves. There's no amount of money at this point now that we could give that I'd be like, oh, we can't give that. We sowed a thousand dollars seed this year and, and there's never going to be a time where I'm like, oh, I don't know, we can't give that. No, you break past it and then your spirit is more open than it's ever been. Fred asks, pastor, if I felt led to give and your significant other doesn't have the same level of faith as you, What do you do? Well, uh, the best thing you can do is agree. Because there's been times that, and my wife and I have a great uh, uh, relationship on this giving because she's a giver as well. She's a big giver. And um, there are times she'll feel a leading in her spirit to do something. The Lord didn't speak to me. He spoke to her. And there are times the Lord will speak to me to do something. The Lord didn't speak to her, but he spoke to me. But as I'm the head of the home, I'm the priest of the house. Uh, there'll be times that I'll pray and I'll say, Hey, this is what I feel to do. And she'll say, well, I don't have any specific leading. So just do whatever you feel. Well, that's an agreement. She said, I'm, I'm getting in on it with you. Just do whatever you feel to do. Cause I don't have a specific instruction of in my spirit. All right, we're doing it. But then there's other times where she'll get something from the Lord. The Lord will tell her to do something. He didn't tell me, but you know what I know? First of all, I trust her, and I trust her ability to be led by the Spirit, and I know she's a giver. And even though I didn't get a specific instruction, I know it's never a good idea to cut off a seed that's going out. I'm going to say, no, we're not sowing. I'm not going to say that. That would be foolish of me to look at her and say, no, I know you feel to sow that, but we're not sowing that. No, no. I say, hey, same thing she says. Hey, if you feel to sow that, I don't have a specific instruction of in my Spirit, but if you feel to sow, sow it. I'm with you. Let's sow it. Agreement is strong. Agreement is strong. I'm not going to work against her faith and her leading of her spirit. Not doing it. No, he says, what, do you, what if your other spouse doesn't believe in tithe or giving, but you do? Do you need to tell him you sowed a seed or a tithe? Well, don't be secretly taking your money and putting it out of the house. But yes, there needs to be uh, agreement. That's exactly right, Jessica. She said, giving should be a way of life, not a one-time event. There's no question about that. Consistent sowing brings consistent reaping. But let me tell you, you pray for your spouse. Maybe they're not serving the Lord yet. Maybe they don't understand. (laughs) Ben said, you got to stay in agreement, but only if you want to stay married. (laughs) Absolutely. Agreement is vital. It's vital. And so... Uh, for those of you that are, and I've had, you don't know how many times I've had this question in the ministry. I feel to tithe. I feel to give, but my husband doesn't want us doing that. He doesn't want us that money going out to the church. Can I tell you, continue to pray for your spouse and tell them. Now, one thing I suggest people to do is is say like, listen, if you work um, a job specifically, the wife works a job, the husband works a job. And he said, well, I don't want that. I don't want to do it. Then have a conversation and say, listen, I feel this conviction in my spirit that that's what we're supposed to do. I'm going to tithe on my income from my job because I feel it in my spirit. And then pray for them. Continue to pray and ask God to bring them around. I was in Albemarle, North Carolina. We were having a tent meeting and a testimony came in and a lady said, can I tell you the testimony of what God did to open my husband's eyes in this way? She said, I have been a tither and a giver. My husband was not keen on tithing and giving. He didn't want to tithe and give, uh, but I kept on doing it. And he, he was finally allowing me. He didn't want to, but he didn't tell me to stop. And she said, um, I kept telling him, there's a blessing that comes from tithing and giving. There's a blessing that comes, whatever. And so she said, can I tell you what just happened? We ju- I came home, and uh, when I came home, my husband was already there, and he had this strange look on his face. And he said, listen to the answering machine. This was 13 years ago. I guess people were still using answering, answering machines. She, he said, listen to the answering machine. She goes over and hits play. There's a message that's left for her from the local grocery store. And she had put her name in on a raffle, And um, she had gotten second place, drawn second place, but the second place prize for the raffle was $10,000, $10,000. And her husband, as the message is going on, he's got that weird look on his face. And when it ended, he looked at her and he said, I guess there is something to this tithing and giving stuff. (laughs) He saw the blessing and he thought, man, I guess God is honoring us. I guess there is something to this tithing and giving stuff. And God did something. And I believe the same will happen for you. The the husband or the wife will see the blessing of heaven that comes upon you for your giving, for your tithing. But no, it's powerful to have agreement. It's powerful to have agreement. But until either they're saved or until they come into that same um, agreement about sowing, giving, tithing, then pray for them. Ask God to open their heart. Ask God to show them, give them a revelation of what's pleasing to him. And I'm telling you, God will answer your prayers. God will honor your faith in Jesus' name. Seven characteristics of a conqueror. I'm sure this will become a book one day, I don't know when. Seven characteristics of a conqueror. God will use these things to take you from victory to victory to victory to victory. I wanna take some time with you today on this new week of fasting and prayer to begin to pray today. I want you to join me. Let's begin by praying in the Holy Spirit, and then we'll begin to pray some of these prayer points and believe God for increase. Come on, let's pray. Roshte, rikama, rotose, rebo, rakaze, Pandelestia parrocho, rande giosho pura cadestia tanase, rogo gibravada decatima mastodogi, Repeshi vandolosa pras de lidisci, rocodia tana na Father, we thank you for a brand new day. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your anointing. Thank you for what you're doing in every life, in every family represented by the Victory Tribe, by Miracle Word Church. We thank you, Lord, that increase is coming to every one of us. This is our year of open heavens. And so, Lord, we expect that there's going to be, as we said last night, new opportunities are opening up. New doors are are opening up. New provision is coming to us. New strength is coming to us. A new fire, a new hunger for your spirit is coming to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. It's happening quickly. This is our year to see breakthroughs and turnarounds like we never have in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, today... I'm asking you that for divine intervention in our families, divine intervention in our businesses, what we set our hands to do. Give us divine intervention in our ministries. Show up like you never have. Manifest your presence like you never have. And let us see the manifestations of your spirit at a new level very quickly. Father, for those that have asked you for healing in their body, I'm pressing in. I'm joining my faith with theirs. I pray you give them a touch in their physical body. Let today be the day that sickness leaves. Let today be the day that disease has to loose its grip and let go. Let today be the day that tumors disappear, cancer cells die. Let today be the day of an overflowing breakthrough in their physical bodies. Father, let today be the day their minds receive a touch from heaven. We thank you, Lord, that these things are taking place. Lord, I pray for Miracle Word Church. Let this be the year that we expand like we never did in the first year. I pray and I thank you for everything you did in the first year. Thank you for all the miracles that took place. But now there's a new momentum that we receive in 2024. We haven't even hit our first year anniversary, Lord, but we're thanking you that a new thing is breaking out in our church. A new momentum is breaking out in our church. Breakthroughs are taking place. Every miracle that you've already done for the people, we thank you for. But new miracles are on the way in the name of Jesus Christ. I give you honor and glory and praise for what's taking place in each and every service at Miracle Word Church. Lord, we ask you that you would move us quickly into our building. I pray that the permits would quickly come back from the city. I pray that the work would quickly be done. Send resources from every direction. I pray that you'd raise up this 750 person army, some of whom have already shown up. Who have already stood with us but send the rest Lord send the remaining and I pray that we would impact South Florida with the power of the Holy Ghost that we would impact West Palm Beach with the mighty anointing of the Holy Ghost let revival break out through South Florida let revival break out through America we declare America shall be saved in the mighty name of Jesus Christ This is our year for breakthroughs and turnarounds in this nation. I thank you that you are thwarting every plan of the wicked, that you are throwing a a wrench in the works of every Antichrist agenda and plan. It comes to nothing in Jesus' name. Lord, protect this nation from terrorism, acts of terrorism in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that you put a hedge of protection around the United States of America and let this Nation, be touched by your power. Be touched by your presence in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, anoint our television broadcast as it goes out throughout South Florida as it goes out throughout the United States of America as it goes out in the UK as it go out goes out in the nations of Africa and around the world and over a hundred nations let this broadcast bring people to Jesus let this broadcast bring people to a greater knowledge of the power of God let miracles come through this bro- television broadcast let healings come deliverance come I pray people would be brought out of addictions as they hear, the preaching and teaching. Let this be a year that we expand in every area of our ministry in Jesus' name. Lord, let our books go around the world and impact believers everywhere. I pray that you would use us by the power of your spirit. Raise up multi-millionaires in the, in the body of Christ to do the work of God, to finance the kingdom in these final moments of time in Jesus' name. Lord, whatever was sent by the devil as an attack against our families, we thank you that you're blowing your breath today and it's being blown away from our house. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered in the name of Jesus Christ. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered in the wonderful name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory for what's taking place. We thank you that this is our season of victory like we've never known. We are conquerors. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers through him that loved us and gave himself for us. In the name of Jesus, we give you honor. We give you praise. Now, Lord, let your favor fall upon us, a favor that makes no sense, that people will see it from miles around and be amazed at what you're doing in our families and our lives. We give you thanks for everything we've prayed is coming quickly to pass. For the things you've already done, we give thanks. In Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. And if you believe it, throw some hands up, throw some fire up in the comments section. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.